0: play Chicago, I I
1: wanted to beat them senseless. CCR 81 October 14th 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by NFL News and Rumors. The news never sleeps and neither does NFL News and Rumors. No BS. No hype. NFL News and Rumors at NFLNR.com
0: CCR D'Angelo Williams thirty. 25, 10, 5, hot stop! 89's in the building.
2: Still on a mission, though. Still on a
1: mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, our guest is Darren Gant of the Rock Hill Herald. The fans' perspective is provided by Nick Gilman, and we'll get the lowdown from the enemy. We also have a recap of the victory over the Redskins. Pitch left side. D'Angelo
0: Williams has a fumble on the play. Redskins football. Hainsworth picks it up. Campbell back to pass. Flush drops it off the fortress. It's a 10-5. Hit touchdown. DeLope, he takes hands the ball to Hoover. Straight up the middle. Touchdown. It was a fourth down play. 45 carried the ball. 47 recovered the ball in the end zone. By rule, the ball goes over to Washington at the one-yard line. Back's in the eye. It's Portis in the end zone. Hit tackle! In the end zone! Colom under center. Back to pass. Fires up in the middle. It is intercepted. <laughs> he in the Hall the with it. To the center of the field, 30. Back to the outside of the front. feet 10, 5, to the goal line. And he's stopped at the one-yard line. First and goal. Hand off Portis. Up and over!
1: For a touchdown, Redskins.
0: Play action fake by Dalone in the pocket. of pass, Jeff King in zone. He's got a touchdown. Carolina Panthers. Casey hits it, and the kick is good. Baker to punch the ball. High one. The Redskins return man gets bumped. The ball loose on the field. Dante Wesley picks it up. After reviewing the play, the ball hit the Redskins' receipt. Number 34 in the foot. Once again, Stewart, hands on his knee pads, back arch. DeLone hands it to him. He's got a crease right side, into the end zone, touchdown! DeLone yelling out the signals, three to get it snapped, he does. Looking left, throwing left, little slant Steve Smith brings it in, and takes it into the end zone. Landry fakes like he's going to blitz, and he does. Fake hand off, DeLone rolling out, it's the bootleg run, Jake. 20, 25, 30, <laughs> Is that legal to Tech actually run on a pool leg for a first down take? And a little shake and bake. Panthers are going to kneel out a hard-earned 20-17 victory.
1: Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio.
3: Thanks for making us a part of your day. You know, it wasn't pretty, but it still counts as the first in the win column for the Carolina Panthers. The Washington Redskins came in struggling and held a 17 to two advantage before the home team got their act together. The defense stepped up in this one, giving up only 74 yards rushing and 145 yards passing. Everett Brown was quick to point out why the team won.
0: We always talk about is accountability and. and holding everybody accountable for their job. And, uh, you know, we did a great job today, especially uh, defensively, but, all, you know, all three phases as well.
3: The win raises the Panthers' record to 1-3, and three, placing them two games back of Atlanta and three behind New Orleans in the division. There's more to prove this Sunday when they take on the team in the NFC South cellar, and that's the Buccaneers as they travel to Tampa Bay.
1: You know, we talk about a monkey off her back, and this was more like a gorilla. You know, so it was. Uh, I thought that was a tribute to our guys, and it does. It's a good place to start.
3: It's time for the Panther preview. John Fox says the uh, monkey or the gorilla is off the team's back. Well, let's find out if the gorilla is off the fans' backs. Now, joining us is Mr. Nick Yeoman. Nick, how you feeling?
2: I'm feeling great, John, and and I'll answer your question. From the fan response that I've gotten uh, over on the YouTube channel, the gorilla's gone. Everything's going to be okay. Just like Bob Marley said, um, yeah, I mean, a big win against Washington, it wasn't pretty. I mean, if we're going to sit down and, and break down film and, and look what this team did, there's going to be a lot of things that we're still going to point to and say, whoa, this is why this team is 1-3, but hey, a win is a win. I can't say it enough, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling, feeling pretty good about how this team is how they perform, by where they're at, and uh, and what they can do if they continue to
3: improve. Well, Foxy has that phrase of his, you know, all losses are ugly and every win is beautiful. It's a W. We We can go ahead and bank it now. It's, you know, it's at least one in the W column. We needed that. I mean, are you, well, you say you're feeling better after the win. At least we've got the W. So, more specifically, I gotta know. Are you feeling any better about Jake? Uh,
2: you know, a little bit. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I heard from a ton of people on the YouTube page. Everyone loved They loved the third down run, and I did too. That was great seeing him juke out D'Angelo Hall. But, you know, Jake just had a mediocre game. That interception that he threw, uh, you know, he threw it behind Moose and Muhammad, tipped off his hands and was taken back. Um, So, no, I'm I'm not jumping back on the Jake bandwagon. Like I I said before, I'm I'm done. I'm never going to sit here and say Jake DeLome can win a Super Bowl and lead this team. Uh, He's he's just not that quarterback anymore. And and there's still a lot of issues with this team. It was an ugly game, really pathetic on both sides of the ball. But, hey, big picture – all that matters is the W. You've got to have enough wins to get in the playoffs. And whether you do it ugly or whether you're blowing people out week in, week out like, say, the New York Giants are, you got to get those Ws. So I'm feeling better just because of the win. But, yeah, I mean, if we, if we really look at it and really look at how the team played, there's a lot of things to still be pretty disappointed about and that need to be cleaned up.
3: There's just no way to patch up that relationship between you and Jake. I mean, he can never win you back.
2: No, he really, he really can, and, I, and, and like I said, I'll, I'll be a Jake guy until the day I die because I love the fire that he plays with. But as someone who, and, and, and you know, you and I both know but some, as people who, who take this team as serious as, as we do, maybe more than we probably should, uh, you just can't have those miserable blow up games where you single handedly cost your team uh, victories. That just, I just, I can't do that anymore. Uh, but hey, if Jake goes out there and, and he proves that he can get it done. Um I guess I can start to come around but I don't know if our relationship is <laughs> ever going to be fully patched John
3: Well we've got a coach who I guess who has been on uh, a a seat that's been getting warmer and warmer by the week then Mr. Zarnacki over at fox.com decides or foxsports.com he says that there is some interesting news Um, he gets this from, according to his his sources, he says these are sources close to John Fox, and that he tells them that it's possible that he will be getting fired at the end of this season. What was your immediate reaction as a fan when you heard that Foxy just might be out of here and may not be back next year?
2: I was absolutely shocked that that came out, that Fox, you know, had the feeling, because, let's be honest, John, let me ask you something. If you're in a press conference... And you ask John Fox uh, a question about his job security. What's the one answer he's going to give you?
3: I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm afraid of John Fox. And no, I'm, I, he probably would say, uh, "Well, it's it's some reporter, and it you know it is what it is." That's probably it, what he says.
2: Exactly. You get the "it is what it is" line. So <laughs> the fact that that it's come out that John Fox is. You know, he realizes it, and then maybe he has acknowledged it, and obviously it's not that he came out and said it publicly, it, it was behind the scenes, you know, the people that knew some people, but the fact that, uh, that John Fox may be on the hot seat, it's something that I think we all kind of expected, and uh, to, to hear that he thinks that, that they could potentially lose his job, is, it was pretty surprising in my opinion.
3: All right, well, let's jump into the grades, you know, get your schoolmarm glasses on, and uh, let's grade these guys. What are you going to give the defense for this week?
2: You know, I'll give the defense a solid B+. I really will. Uh, You you look at it, they gave up three points in this game. I mean, given a short field at the D'Angelo Williams early fumble, the Jake interception that that was run back inside the 10-yard line, this team, I mean, they're backed up against a lot. They've been playing like that all season long. Uh, This defense, they actually have the second-best pass defense in the league right now uh, as far as yards are concerned. So i give them a solid B+. I don't think they could have played much better. Uh, we got total effort from Beeson, from Julius Pepper, surprise, surprise. So uh, I, I was happy with how the defense has played. It's, it's a Ron Meeks defense. Trust me, being from Indiana, I've seen uh, they're going to give up a lot on the ground, and they're going to be pretty good against the pass. That's what a Ron Meeks defense is, and I was, was pretty pleased with how they played. So I'd give them a B plus.
3: All right, and now let's grade that offensive offense.
2: Yeah, I'll give them a C-. minus. Uh, the, the turnovers early on, they really put themselves in a hole. Now, granted, they put themselves in a hole, and they dug themselves right back out of it, got some lucky breaks, uh, you know, with the, uh, the controversial uh, punt call. But uh, the offense, they got it done at the end. Jake made some smart decisions. The touchdown to Jeff Keene, the offensive line. I still don't think they're playing anywhere near uh, to where they need to be playing, but they did open up some holes on the Jonathan Stewart touchdown run. So the offense, they might be coming around, but still not happy with where they're at. So I'll give them a C- minus for the game.
3: And right, we're about to face a team that I guess their fan base is probably suffering more than, than we are as fans of a team, and that's the Buccaneers. God bless them. But they are going to have a guy named Josh under center, uh, probably uh, Johnson, I'm guessing. Our defense is going to be facing him and what really should be a pretty stout running game. How do you expect our defense to stack up against Tampa's offense?
2: Well, it's kind of scary because Carolina's been really good against the pass this season, like I mentioned. And that's just not going to be an element that Tampa Bay is going to try to hurt you. They're not going to have... Josh Johnson or Freeman, whoever gets in the game, more likely Johnson, they're not going to ask him to go out there and, and beat the Carolina Panthers, so they are. They're going to try to pound the ball. You know that they're going to, want to run right at those defensive tackles with Derek Ward and, uh, and Cadillac Williams, and I think they, if, if, they can, if they stick to what they want to do, they could have some success, uh, but right now, the talent on that Tampa team, offensive, defensive, special team, it's just not there, so they're going to want to try to beat Carolina on the ground but I don't know ultimately if that's going gonna to be enough.
3: Lucky for us, we don't have to see Derek Brooks because he seems to kill us every time we wind up in the big pirate ship. So without him there, and he's not running all over the place, how will our offense take care of business against the Tampa D?
2: Well, I, I actually think a lot of it focuses around Jake DeLowen. I mean, this running game, still not where it needs to be. D'Angelo, johnson they're going to get their touches, and I think they're going to find some success. But this Tampa defense, really not very good. They've given up 12 touchdown passes this year. That's the third most in the league. So I actually think it's going to focus if Jake DeLome needs to have a good game. Now, we saw last year when Jake played at Tampa, at Tampa, was miserable, played pretty darn good on the Monday night game at home. So I think it focuses a lot around Jake DeLome. Tampa obviously wants to make Jake DeLone beat them. That's their game plan. So Jake needs to step up. He needs to play big. But I think he can find success against that shaky Tampa secondary.
3: I know most Tampa fans are going to tell me and, and remind you or any Carolina fan that our Panthers don't normally play so well when they get to Raymond James Stadium, usually. So with that in mind and with the two teams and their situations in mind, what's your prediction for this week? Well,
2: First of all, can you say trap game? I mean, I I know Tampa's awful right now, and we're in no position to be overlooking teams and thinking you have a win in the bag when your record's 1-3. and Uh, But I'm just a little worried. In reality, when Carolina plays like they can, in uh, the way they should, they should win this game by 21 points. I really feel that way. But I expect this game to be a lot closer than most of the giddy Panther fans are telling me. I mean, I know a lot of people are just so psyched about one win over Washington that they're ready to, to crown this team a, a contender once again, but I'm not quite sure. I'm not there yet. Uh, I think the running game gets it going. I think Jake, as long as he manages the football and doesn't have one of those bad Jake games, I think the Panthers win. I think the final score, I think you're looking at something like 31-20. But as you mentioned, it's never easy to go into Raymond James Stadium, but right now that Tampa team just doesn't have the talent. I don't think Raheem Morris is really a great coach yet. I don't know I don't know if he really ever will be. There's some quotes that I've heard from him that are just really shaky. I don't know where this Tampa team's at right now or where they're headed. And I think the Panthers are gonna pick up the win this Sunday, John.
3: And this has become a weekly thing. I I wish it didn't have to be, honestly. So which way do you lean? Does Julius show up two weeks in a row, or does Julius decide to go on vacation?
2: Boy, two weeks in a, in a row would almost be too much to ask for with Julius Peppers, with it? But uh, I think he does. I think he will. It's one of those things. He's not going to be going up against a great offensive line. I think uh, Josh Johnson can't beat them deep. So and when he stands time in the pocket, he's a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. Julius may be in position to pick up another sack. So if I had to, John, I think I'm going to lean towards Julius Pepper's earning that million dollars this week.
3: Well, shh, just don't tell him that uh, Orlando is just down the road.
2: That's true, that's true. We don't want him down there having a good time relaxing.
3: Well, can we talk you into sticking around again for a boomer bust and maybe a pick 'em? Absolutely, John, I'd love to. Coming up, we'll check in with The Enemy. But in just a moment, it's our conversation with
1: Darren Gant. Stick with us. It's not over. CCR will return in a moment. All-star fans, all-star content. FanSided.com is a sports network where die-hard fans dish out non-stop sports news and views.
2: Come after me! I'm a man. I'm forty.
1: Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We are talking about
3: practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We are talking about practice.
1: Not a game, not a game, not a game. Beinsighted.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet.
3: It's time for the game that is sweeping the nation. Time now, once again, for Boomer Bust. And joining us, as usual, it is YouTube King. It is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready for some Boomer Bust?
2: Absolutely, John. Let's get him.
3: Let's start you off with Joe Flacco versus the Vikings.
2: Well, the weakness on this Minnesota defense is the passing game, but Joe Flacco really hasn't played well in his last two outings against New England where he wasn't very accurate, against Cincinnati where he threw more picks than touchdowns. Uh, Baltimore lost both of those games, so they need Flacco to play well, but I just don't see it. So I'm going to say bust against Minnesota.
3: Cedric Benson versus the Texans.
2: What a what a season Cedric Benson is having. A big reason the Bengals are four and one is the fact that he is leading the league in touchdowns. He's revitalized his career. He'll be running against a Houston team that is giving up 140 yards per game so far this season. So expect Benson to be a boom and lead the Bengals towards another victory.
3: Aaron Rodgers versus the Lions.
2: Well so much like last season, Aaron Rodgers has been efficient, six touchdowns, just one interception. But his team is just average, 2-2 two and two record this season. The secondary that Rodgers is facing this Sunday in the Detroit Lions is 27th in the league, though, against the pass. So Rodgers should be a boom and have a big day.
3: Brandon Jacobs versus the Saints.
2: We saw last week that Ahmad Bradshaw was the New York running back that had the big day running the ball instead of Jacobs. And I expect that to continue this week. The Saints... Seventh in the league against the run, and if I had to be, if I had to pick a giant running back to play well, I'd pick Bradshaw, not Jacobs. So I'm going to say bust again.
3: T.O. versus the Jets.
2: Oh, this one's easy. The Jets have a pretty stout defense when it comes to defending the pass, and T.O. is struggling way too much for me to pick him to break out and play big. So I'll say T.O.'s a bust.
3: Drew Brees versus the Giants.
2: Oh, what a matchup this is. It's time to find out how good Drew Brees and this New Orleans offense really is. I just can't, I can't find it. I don't see him finding success, though. The defense the Giants have is the best unit in the league. Against the pass, against the run, it doesn't matter. They are so stout. Brees is going to have a hard time finding his receivers, let alone staying off his back from all the sacks that he's going to see. So I think Drew Brees is a bust.
3: Whoever is playing quarterback, I guess Josh Johnson versus the Panthers.
2: Well, it won't matter who's a quarterback for the Buccaneers this Sunday. It is not going to be easy to produce against the Panthers. Like I said, I was shocked to see that Carolina is actually second in the league against the pass so far this season. So... Don't expect much from Josh Johnson, Josh Freeman, uh, Bruce Gradkowski, Jeff Garcia, whoever's a quarterback. I think you put Vinny Testaverde here back there. It won't matter. They're going to be a bust.
3: D'Angelo Williams versus the Bucks. Well,
2: so this has to be a breakout weekend for D'Angelo. Tampa is in the bottom five with the Panthers against the run, so the 28th ranked rushing defense will try and stop D'Will, who is uncharacteristically 28th in the league in rushing. I expect that to change with D'Angelo having a big day and
3: being a boom on Sunday. Derek Ward versus the Panthers.
2: Well, I mentioned that the Panthers' rushing defense was in the bottom five with Tampa. They're actually 30th out of 32 teams. And if they were trying to stop any team other than the Tampa Bay Bucs who cannot run the football, I'd say boom. But Derek Ward just hasn't gotten things off the ground. He hasn't gotten things rolling, so I think he'll be a bust this weekend.
3: Despite your relationship with him, I'll have to ask anyway, Jake DeLome versus the Bucs.
2: John, I I can't believe I'm doing this, but I actually think Jake will be a boom this weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've given up 12 passing touchdowns. That's third most in the league, and as long as Jake... Doesn't wake up, feeling like he should throw to the wrong team. I truly feel that he's going to have a big game. I'm going to say boom.
3: Oh, wow, maybe John and Kate are going to get back together, too. Well, that that's good news.
2: <laughs> oh, come on now.
3: <laughs> well, thanks for playing the game with us once again, Nick.
2: All right, I appreciate it, John. Have a good one. We're
3: going to do it again. We're going to play Millionaire. Millionaire. Today, it's how to become a millionaire in only one week. Our contestant is Julius Peppers. Julius, let's take a look at your performance versus the Washington Redskins. Julius, you played the bigger part of the game. The defense really did step up in this one. For the game, the unit gave up 15 first downs, 74 yards rushing, and 145 yards passing and now checking your stat line. After the pep talk you received from John Beeson, we have you down here for four tackles, one assist on a safety, no forced fumbles, unfortunately, and no fumble recoveries, but you did have two sacks for a grand total of... $125,000 per tackle and $250,000 per sack. He's won a million dollars! We'll see you back here next week after your trip to Tampa, Florida, Julius, when we play another round of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
1: This is a show for the fans and by the fans of the Carolina Panthers. Welcome back to Cad Crave Radio. Joining us now is Darren Gant. Of course,
3: you all know Darren from the Rock Hill Herald. Darren, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, not a problem, John. How you doing, buddy?
3: Doing great. And after this weekend and and, and getting our first win, thank goodness, I guess there's a little more optimism in the air. Looks like we're going into that. uh, Some people have called it the soft part of the schedule. Course, yeah,
2: I think that's fair. I mean, when you look at, you know, Washington has been, you know, so up and down. Those guys are impossible to define from week to week. And, you know, Tampa Bay obviously has had their problems. And then Buffalo's kind of, you know, on a under their own weight this year. So, I mean, if they're going to make some hay, this is the time to do it. But I think, you know, the biggest thing for me coming out of uh, yesterday's game against Washington is, A, they played a little better. B, they called a break when they needed it. But C, this team still got a lot of basic problems. They, uh, some of the things that were issues leading into yesterday's game are still issues. Uh, they're not forcing a bunch of turnovers on defense like they'd hope to. And they're not running the ball well. I mean, that's the biggest thing. They at least kept at it and ran often against the Redskins. They just didn't run particularly well. And that's something they've got to get
3: fixed. And you mentioned that running game. The offensive line, it just seems to be troubling. I'm not sure. I mean, we're seeing things, like you said, with the running game. It's not looking so good. Uh, Jordan Gross got schooled a couple of times by a a rookie, uh, during that game. I mean, what gives with this bunch?
2: Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's one of those things. Last year, that unit was so good, so cohesive. I mean, from day one, they looked like they were all on the same page. You know, a couple things standing out to me. You know, number one, the first couple of weeks they talked about communication. That was the buzzword. And when offensive started talking about communication, that's the calls coming out from center. You know, Ryan Khalil's the one who's got to call out all the protection. And, you know, I think right off the bat, Philadelphia threw stuff at them they weren't expecting to see. And that thing just turned into a jailbreak, really, from the first snap and didn't get fixed the rest of the day. But, but since then, they they're playing teams that give them different looks week in and week out, and and let's be honest, they have played some pretty good defenses. I think you know when you look back at the games they've played, you know Atlanta maybe Atlanta's the least of the defenses they've seen so far, and Atlanta's got guys like John Abraham, who's an outstanding rusher, really didn't do much that day, but you know they still got guys that can cause problems, but. They're getting different looks from people, and I think that's kind of causing them to have to make some adjustments they're not used to. But they just haven't established. When the Panthers' offensive line was good last year, they, they basically said, here's what we're going to run. Here it comes. All right, go. And, and then they ran it. And, it, and it worked well, especially second half of the year. But, but this year they've just struggled to get that part of it going. I don't know. You know, if you look at the personnel, there are no changes. You know, there's no depth behind them. You know, all those guys you were used to in the past, but the starting five's been out there pretty consistently. So other than Kendrick Vincent being another year older, and, I mean, he's an old war horse of a guy. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with him. Other than him maybe being a year older, I don't see – there's not that much tangible reason that they're playing that much worse.
3: Well, one really encouraging thing that we saw on Sunday was Everett Brown getting his first sack, forced to yep. fumble on the play, do you think he's the future? Is he the future at defensive end for this team?
2: Well, they certainly to be. I mean, when San Francisco's picking in the upper third or middle of the first round next year, they better hope that Everett's a big-time player, so uh, you know, we'll see. I think he's on the right track. He's certainly got promise. He's certainly quick enough to do it. Um, he's got a pet move. He's got that little spin move, and that's what he threw down the other day to, to get in there and get on Jason Campbell, and And I think that's going to be effective for him. I mean, he's just got the kind of quickness, kind of first step that's going to give him an opportunity to get there. It's just a matter of him adding into the arsenal. I mean, because eventually people are going to figure out that's the thing he's got to work with at the moment. Yeah, you know, Everett's going to have to get stronger. If he's going to be an every down player, he's going to have to get stronger and better against the run because right now, you know, he's essentially just a third-down pass rusher, and and I think that's something that's just going to take time for him to develop, but uh, we'll see, but I mean, so far, so good with Everett. He had that ankle problem that kind of bothered him for a little bit. He didn't play down in Dallas, but, uh, you know, I think the potential is certainly there for him to be something down the
3: road. All right. and speaking of defensive ends, you've been a pretty big uh, Julius Pepper supporter. There are a number of people out there. I know he's got a lot of pressure on him, especially with the money he's making this year. I've been rather critical of him. I'll have to give him this one. He actually did have a really good game. Did that whole pep talk with Beeson, uh, do you think that had an impact on him?
2: Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, I don't know. I think it might have had more impact if John had gone straight to Julius. Uh, I think announcing his intentions over the radio uh might have diluted that a little bit, but I think John probably took steps shortly thereafter to kind of get on the same page because, it, uh, you know, I think John may have stepped out of line a little bit on that one. I think, did Julius need to hear it? Yes. I think Julius would have probably been better served hearing it directly from John rather than via a radio station. I mean, you know, John said it on WFNZ, I do do work for FNZ, we're both paid to be there. You know, we all understand the ground rules of what's going on, but, you know, I I think John might have been better served, and I think that's why John got called to the principal's office as well. I mean, you know, Coach Fox had a talk with him about that. They didn't like the manner in which John did it. So, you know, I think that part of it's fairly clear. Whatever the reason, you know, and frankly, production with Julius comes and goes. And I think it's that way with... um, You know, with every defensive end in the NFL, I mean, there's not one in the league who gets a sack every week. There's not somebody who has that blow-up game of two, three, four sacks a week every week. One thing I kept coming back to, you know, people want to compare him to Jared Allen. They're two different people. Jared Allen is an effort player. Julius is a physical talent. And the amazing thing is their production has been pretty similar over the courses of their careers, Um And I think a lot of people misunderstand when I say that for being a Julius supporter. I've been pretty clear. I mean, Julius has underperformed. And considering the demands on him because of that contract, you know, I, I said in January, I said in February, I didn't think tagging him to keep him was a good idea, primarily because when Julius said he didn't want to be here, I believed him and and I just thought it was going to be a tough thing to make work. Because of the million dollars a week, you know, people are always going to say, you didn't get your money's worth this week. Well, yeah, you got your money's worth against, uh, against the Redskins. I'll say that about Julius, but we'll see how he follows it up. I think on the whole, they're certainly better having him than not having him, but we'll see as the season plays out whether they'd have been better off spreading that money around between some other guys, too.
3: All right, now let me give you a couple of, of the agree or disagree statements. I'll throw something at you. You tell me if you, if you <laughs> is this go with it this the it or...
2: round, John? Do what now? Is this the lightning round?
3: Yeah, kind of the lightning round. I mean, you, you take as much time as you need. <laughs> All right, first statement is, John Fox is the Panthers head coach in 2010.
2: Don't know yet. That has everything to do with how the rest of this season plays out. I mean, Ward knows if they bounce back and go on a big run and win seven or eight games in a row, and you know somehow find themselves in the playoffs. I don't see I could fire him then. But you know, if they go seven and nine again, you know, as their pattern's been in the past, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, there was a report on FoxSports.com. John Zarnecki wrote the other day that Fox is telling friends and acquaintances you know, that he expects to be fired. John shot that one down after the game, you know, said he would tell his friends he should get an extension. he was kind of being glib about it. But I think the reality is, you know, coaches have shelf lives. And George Seifert used to always say, after eight or ten years, you know, a team's pretty much heard everything you've got to say. And we're in year eight of John Fox here. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that. I will say that I think John is closer to the end of his time here than the beginning. I don't think he's going to be a 15-year coach here like Bill Cowher, but I don't know necessarily at the moment that I would say I expect him to get fired.
3: All right, one more, and that is the defense will continue to play as well as they did against the Redskins.
2: Don't know if they can I mean, I think that's about as much as you could expect. Other than maybe creating a turnover, which they weren't able to do, I think that's about as well as you could expect out of that bunch, considering the hand they've been dealt. I mean, getting Hollis Thomas in was a nice surprise. You know, they were sort of fortunate that he fell into their lap at the time he did. Otherwise, they're trying to play a defense build around a big nose tackle without a big nose tackle. I mean, you were, you've dropped a 350-pound guy in there now, and you were asking a 290-pound Nick, Caden to do it before, and I just don't think that's sustainable. We'll see. I mean, I think the biggest difference to me was getting guys back on the field. I mean, having a Niall Diggs, who I think is pretty underrated, especially against the run. Niall's just a good, solid NFL player, helped a lot. I think Chris Harris out there calling signals and getting guys lined up helped as much as anything, too. So, you know, it's going to be hard for them to match that kind of effort. I mean, because after, what, they were giving up 182 yards a game against the run, gave up 74 this week. I don't think they can continue to uh, knock, uh, knock that rank and knock that average down by those kind of numbers every week.
3: And you know I can't talk to you without bringing this up again. And in some ways, you know, I bring it up at my own expense, and that's that whole Gary Barnage thing. I hope you checked your notes, too.
2: Is he is he closer to those 50 catches you predicted?
3: You know, I mean, the guy doesn't have a reception. I'm hoping he comes up with that many tackles on special teams. That's about all I've got to hang my hat on now, you know.
2: that's That's where Gary's contributing the most right now. You know, it's <laughs> interesting for all the... You know, for all that he saw when you you and I were talking about that down in Spartanburg, John, for all that promise he showed, it's just not happening on the field. And I think a lot of it is, you know, where Gary's behind, where Gary is not going to get ahead of Jeff King, I don't know, is as a blocker. I mean, Jeff King is a he's not the downfield threat, he's not the flashy runner that Gary is, he's not going to be able to, you know, make his name big plays in a passing game, but Jeff, they know where he's going to be on every snap and I think that's, you know, kind of his edge and as a pure pass catcher, Dante Rosario can kind of do some things, Gary can as well, so you know, I think they would probably look at it and say between the three of them they like the situation, but uh, boy, Gary, for uh, getting all that work with the starters in training camp, sure hasn't delivered on it so far.
3: Well, let's hope he does, because I, Lord knows I've lost that bet already. But
2: That's all right. I'm looking forward to that launch in Spartanburg next year, John. Isn't that what you owe me?
3: I guess. We never really bet anything, but I suppose that's what I owe you now.
2: Yeah, we'll figure something out. I ain't worried about that. <laughs> all
3: right, Darren. Again, we appreciate
1: you being with us this week. Anytime, John. Anytime. Cat Crave Radio. Hear It weekly. Subscribe at iTunes or visit our archive at catcrave.com. Ooh
0: this is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive
1: drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. It's time once again to pick some games.
3: Joining us is Nick Yeoman. Last week, Nick was 9 up and 5 down. And for the season, he has a grand total of 54 and 22. Nick, are you ready to pick some games?
2: Yeah, let's go ahead and run through these, John.
3: We'll start you off with the matchup of Rams-Jaguars.
2: Boy, that's a, that's a heck of a matchup right there. <laughs> yeah, the St. Louis Rams may be one of the worst, if not the worst team in professional football. But I think that they noticed that this is one of the few games against Jacksonville that they can win. And considering Jacksonville, they're coming off a 41 nothing beat down loss to Seattle. I think St. Louis takes advantage and for the first and probably last time all season, give me the Rams for the win.
3: Ravens and Vikings.
2: You know, the Vikings are playing really good football right now, and considering Baltimore has lost two straight, kind of come back to the pack, this game's in the dome up north in Minnesota, I gotta take Brett Favre. He's gonna keep the magic alive and pick up another victory for the Vikes.
3: Lions and Packers.
2: Once again, I think home field advantage could play a major role in this game. The Lions, they're getting better. You know, they beat the Redskins. They really pushed the Pittsburgh Steelers to a close game. I don't know if they have enough talent to beat the Packers, but they're good enough to hang with them, maybe scare them a little bit. I just don't think they're going to be able to outscore Green Bay.
3: Texans and Bengals.
2: You realize that Cincinnati is just a lucky pass from Orton to Stokely away from being a perfect 5-0. and I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. When Carson Palmer is healthy, this is a very good team. And right now, they are too balanced on both sides of the ball for the Houston Texans to sneak up on them. So the pick is Cincy.
3: Browns and Steelers.
2: Well, I know Cleveland. They're the hot team after winning that uh, elusive, incredible battle between them and Buffalo. Uh, but Derek Anderson, only two completed passes. He might complete even fewer than that against the Steelers. Give me Pittsburgh at home in the Iron City.
3: Chiefs and Redskins.
2: Well, you know, last week the Redskins blew a lead on the road and lost, so playing at home should help them. As for Kansas City, they lost a heartbreaker in overtime at home, so playing on road this week should hurt them. With that being said, i got to pick the Redskins this Sunday for a win.
3: Giants and Saints. Well, this is easily the game of the week. The matchup, I've been waiting
2: to see. I can't wait to see if it's the Saints' defense versus the Giants' offense. That, in my opinion, is where this game's going to be won. That Saints' defense, they forced a lot of turnovers, but the Giants' wide receivers really playing well. I expect them to have the edge there and ultimately move on as the undefeated team.
3: Cardinals and Seahawks.
2: Well this is a pretty intriguing matchup as well. Arizona seems to be right on that edge of turning it into a darn good season, darn good football team, and Seattle is coming off that easy win over Jacksonville. but I think the Cardinals just a little too much on offense for Seattle to handle, so give me Arizona
3: Eagles and Raiders.
2: Well, This is your weekly shoe in easy pick of the week. The Eagles are clicking, and the Raiders are just god-awful. Philly Philly has to travel all the way out to Oakland, which may be the only interesting dynamic there is about this game, Uh, but the Eagles should win and win big.
3: Bills and Jets.
2: You know, Mark Sanchez and the Jets, they've kind of come back to the pack. they come back to earth after the two straight losses to the Saints and the Dolphins. And what better way to bounce back than playing the troubled Buffalo Bills? Give me the Jets, fairly easy win at home in the Meadowlands.
3: Titans and Patriots.
2: Yeah, you know, boy, when it rains a pours for Tennessee, I mean, last week Indianapolis showed even more flaws in Jeff Fisher's team. Drop them to 0 and five. Now they got to travel to New England, where the Patriots should drop them to 0 and six. I think it's time to throw in Vince Young. Let him run some sort of wildcat formation because this season is over for Tennessee. Getting Brady and the Pats on Sunday.
3: Bears and Falcons.
2: Another fantastic matchup on Sunday night that gives us a rematch of the thriller that we saw between these two squads last year. Atlanta was very impressive last week and they went over San Francisco. And if that Falcon defense shows up against the Bears, I think they win and move a little bit closer to the Saints in the South.
3: Broncos and Chargers
2: week after week I want to pick against the Denver Broncos and week after week they just keep proving everybody wrong it's tough to play in San Diego and Phillip Rivers and his boys are going to be fired up but they're also a banged up football team I think they're just a, a little too injury prone right now at some key positions on that offensive line so I'm going to take Denver Broncos at home
3: and I know we talked about this earlier but Panthers and Bucks.
2: Well, you got to be careful. It could be a potential trap game, but I just think, talent-wise, the Panthers outclass Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers are a mess, uh, even more of a mess than we consider the Panthers right now. Uh, the Panthers have their one win. Tampa Bay still searching, and I think they will still be searching after this game. Like I said, I like the Panthers.
3: We'll continue to keep score for you, Nick, and we appreciate you picking the games for us.
2: Hey, John, it's been good. Have a good week. <music>
1: If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Back to more CCR. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White.
3: Hey, we've added a new method for you to stay in touch with us. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call us at 206 3509673 and leave us a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team or on the show. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. It really doesn't matter. We want to know what's on your mind. Call us at 206-350-9673. Hello.
0: Hello.
1: It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Speaking of our new
3: CCR hotline, let's check out our first caller.
0: Hey John, this is GK from the Sports Zone. I just wanted to say it's a great show. Keep it up. As far as being a fan, I gotta tell you, I'm tired of hearing it is what it is every week. It's getting old. This is not what I want to hear at 0-3. I expect a great game in Washington. Got to get Williams and Stewart ball, period. And... That's what's going to get us to win Sunday. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you later.
3: Hey, thanks for the call, GK. Unfortunately, the Panthers haven't discovered their running game yet, but they did find a way to beat the Skins this past Sunday. Maybe they'll get their act together and get D-Will and Jay stew back on track. Again, GK, thanks for hitting us up on the hotline, and thanks for listening. Hey, if you want to sound off with us, give us a shout on the CCR hotline at 206 206- three five zero nine six seven three again that's two zero six three five zero nine six seven three keep your friends close but your enemies close johnson
0: under center he will play action look to the left he's got a man firing and it's caught
3: touchdown it's antonio bryant josh johnson's first career touchdown it's time to check in with our enemy we know all about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we've heard from our friend, or rather our enemy, Mr. Dustin Staggers, a number of times. Dustin is the lead writer for pewterplank.com. Dustin, thanks for joining us.
4: A pleasure, as always.
3: Well, Dustin, how long could we go on about the rough seasons both of our teams are having? You guys are making a lot of changes, new and young head coach, and now a new quarterback under center in Josh Johnson. Let's talk about that Bucks offense. How would you expect them with this second-year quarterback to attack the Carolina defense?
2: What I personally
4: would expect and what we'll probably see on the field are two different things. Um, you know, Johnson threw the ball fifty times yesterday, which you would think for a guy, you know, a second-year guy coming into the league with the offensive line that we have, with the stable of running backs we have, that that wouldn't. Be the way we'd want to kind of throw the young guy to the fire. What I what I'll expect is we seem like a team that drops back and likes to try to throw the ball on first down instead of using our team strength. So you'll probably see upwards of forty throws again on Sunday.
3: Well, and there's there's some weakness. I think that is a, an area that a lot of people have tried to attack with with the Panthers, and that is their secondary. Uh, of course, we've got Harris back now, so you I mean there is a chance that you guys could attack them. Looking at your defense now. Speaking of defenses, lots of changes there. This off season, this past year has been uh, very eventful with the Buccaneers, especially with Derek Brooks leaving your defense and Barrett Rude, uh, Gaines Adams, that bunch. How would you expect them to attack the Carolina Panthers' offense? I
4: mean, with with Jake struggles early, you would think we're going to try to stack the line a little bit, but through five games. The Bucks have been being twice, at least twice, every game on a, on a plus thirty yard play that went for a touchdown. So there, there's a good chance you're going to see Steve Smith breaking a long one off from Jake Delhomme, re- renewing some of that old uh, that old friendship and love between the two of them.
3: So you expect him to get past, uh, say, Aqib Talib? You expect him to take care of Steve Smith, or would somebody else jump I, in?
4: I would imagine uh, the majority of the game, Talib will be on Steve Smith. Um, and Talib, he's gotten burned a couple of times. We're trying to play a little more gambling-style defense. Um, he's also had some games where he showed what kind of cover corner, especially what kind of cover corner picking the ball off that he can be. Um, well, what seems to be happening is the few times that we convert and move to a, a traditional, like old school Buccaneers Tampa two style defenses that our safeties are not picking up their assignments, covering players down the field. So he, even if Talib were to have a good game against Steve Smith, I still th- think you're going to see a couple plays where Smith breaks a long one out, and at least Jake, at least Jake looks for it down the field. Whether he can connect or not is a different story, but he'll, he's definitely going to be looking down the field against this
3: team. Now, on this question, it's possible that you know there's so much knowledge between the two teams I mean it's maybe it's um, it's just that the two teams know each other way too well and uh, most of the time because we see each other twice a year we know all of the players but so many changes came about during the offseason there's got to be some new talent on your team uh, if you can name us two players that are a little under the radar that we ought to know about with the Buccaneers. Guy is not
4: is not even uh, he's not even a young guy. He's a guy that I, I never thought got a fair shake at playing time in Kansas City. Um, he he had a nice coming out day for the Bucks yesterday. Yesterday, Jimmy Wilkerson. Um, yeah, he kind of got to consider him a vet at this point. He's been playing in the league for a little while, but he's a real solid, both run stopping and pressuring the quarterback kind of hybrid defensive end for the Bucks. Um, so he's certainly somebody that you need to look out for. And, you know, this is a name that everybody obviously knows, but Kellen Winslow, we finally, you know, we we went over the offseason and gave the guy a huge contract, and then through the first few games didn't really try to push the ball his way at all and let him use his speed and his size and his physical skills. I think yesterday he had 108 yards receiving, and I think he got targeted around 13 or 14 times and ended up with nine catches. So he's certainly somebody that, uh, John is going to be looking out for all day.
3: Tell us about the, the Buccaneers and any injuries that they may come into this game with.
4: Well, it seems like Jeff Vane is every week on the verge of playing, so... We we could we could end up starting Fane back in, in the starting lineup this week. You know, Aaron Sears obviously has been out for the whole season for the Buccaneers with some sort of um, condition that the Buccaneers or Fain, or um, or Aaron Sears' camp hasn't really let anybody know. There's a lot of speculation that it could be um, severe depression, and he was a young, promising player for the Buccaneers that I think we're
3: missing at guard right now. Well, can you give us a? <laughs> I know this is tough. It would be tough for me too. But I was going to say, if you give us a prediction for the game Um, I mean how are you feeling about this one
4: I've spoken to a lot of people about this you know from the beginning from training camp through five weeks now and I see a lot of issues with the management and the coaching of the Buccaneers and while this is a rivalry game we are at home where traditionally before the season we were a pretty tough team to beat at Ray J Um, I still think your coaching, and right now, even with early season struggles, your personnel is is better suited than the Buccaneers right now. And I, I'm predicting a Panthers victory. I hate doing it. that's that's hard to do. That hurts. Um, <laughs> but I see you guys winning a low scoring, kind of ugly game, twenty one to fourteen.
3: Well, I know things are a little down right there, and we've been pretty <laughs> down this year too. But I never expected that.
4: It's a, you know I, I never. Uh, you know, I've all, I've always been a a realist, but a realist who for the Buccaneers always, you know, is looking at the best things in the team. And right now, I'm seeing so few of them that it's hard to predict. It's hard to predict wins right now. It's and, and that hurts personally, and you know, for the future of the team that I love.
3: Well, and there's that gray area, you know, between realism and pessimism. So I think you know, fans for both teams are right now trying to either ride the fence or figure out which they are. I I definitely agree with you there. But, Dustin, we appreciate you being with us. Again, uh, Dustin Staggers, lead writer over at thepeterplank.com. Dustin, thanks for uh, taking time to talk to us.
2: Thanks, John. Appreciate
4: it.
3: Which brings me to the point at which I'm supposed to throw out a prediction. Well, let's see. Tampa Bay is struggling like few other teams. Carolina had to work their tails off to pull out a win versus a Washington team that has looked about as bad as it gets. Shoot, they're responsible for giving Detroit their first win since the Bush administration. How do you make sense of that? Well, I'm not sure it's possible. Dustin is right in that this game will be played in the big pirate ship, which is not the Panthers' favorite locale. But if Pepper shows up and if the defense is on their game, this one shouldn't even be close. That's Josh Johnson lining up at quarterback, isn't it? And frankly... That's Raheem Morris with the headset on his skull over there on the sidelines, I think. If Jake can't outplay Johnson and if John Fox can't outcoach Morris, we're in absolutely enormous trouble. My prediction, Carolina 30, Tampa Bay 17. Last week, I groveled. Well, this week, I had to go to the uh, thesaurus to get myself a new word or something. So, after my search, I'll call it um, imploring. No, no, wait. I'll beseech you to nominate our little show for an award. The annual podcast awards are taking nominations. Please log on to podcastawards.com and nominate Cat Crave Radio for Sports Podcast of the Year. Nominate only once, or they'll throw out your entry, okay? I want to thank Darren Gant for being with us once again. Check him out at the Rock Hill Herald. My thanks to Dustin Staggers for hanging out with us. Dustin's material can be found online at theputerplank.com. And as always, our appreciation to Nick Yeoman for his efforts on the show this week. Be sure to log on to youtube.com and look him up by searching for Big Nick 2700. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And, of course, while you're there, leave us a little review, love, if you would. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio.
1: In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio.
0: Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old name. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game. Finer than to be in Carolina For a Carolina Panthers